Well, I appreciate the message tonight. Amen. 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 Yeah, I appreciate the Lord just helping my heart. And appreciate my family being able to be here with me tonight. I thought it's a blessing. It's a miracle is what it is. It really is. You say, why? Because on the way over here, we had two threaten to get out the next red light. We had one say, you're driving me insane. I ain't telling you who, who said what. I'm just saying that's what happened on the way to church tonight. You're driving me crazy. Those kind of things. And uh, so to see God touch my family and be a blessing is just a miracle. I Man, that's just honesty, amen. That's just true. And it's a miracle that God use any of us, really. I mean, really. Uh, that's just the truth. I, uh, you know, I appreciate what the preacher said tonight about that, but God forbid that I should glory saving the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. But really, you know, people, and I think somebody, I appreciate compliments. I do, I like them. I mean, I do. I treat them like honeysuckles. They smell good, I just don't eat them. You know, but I mean, I like, I like uh, compliments. I like Brother Randy, that was great. I like that. I mean, you can throw all the adjectives in there. You want the great, splendid, splendor, splendid, whatever. It'd be wonderful, be wonderful. But if we be honest, I mean, really, and us, I, I'm, I'm talking about us, I'm talking about me, how God would save us, not only knowing what we was when he saved us, but knowing what we was going to do after he saved us. And I'm not talking about going out. I'm not talking about going out in the world and, and running off. And I'm, I'm just talking about being unthankful and ungrateful and unholy and cold and carnal. And God in his mercy just keeps on meeting with us, keeps on blessing us, keeps on touching us, keeps on helping us. That's just how God is because that's what kind of God he is. Amen. I mean, it, he remembers that we're but flesh. And a lot of times, Brother Ricky, when God shows up in my life, uh, it's because of the fact that he just, <laughs> he just like, man, I, I mean, I think sometimes I have said, God, you have got to be just, just about tired of me. And he just, just keeps on blessing me anyway. Amen. That's just what he does. And I, I'm thankful for that tonight. And I appreciate my family. And, uh, you know, I, I know my, my wife's not perfect, my children are not perfect, and I'm not perfect. But I tell you this, I want to be real around my family. And I don't want my kids to be a bunch of robots. Uh, on the way over here, we, they, we was trying to figure out what song to sing. And one of them said, no. I mean, you know, I'm not going to make my kids get up here like a bunch of robots and do something they don't want to do. I want the ministry to be a blessing to them. I think a lot of times what it is is people try to come to church and act like everything's all right, act like they don't ever have no problems, never have nothing wrong. That's just not right. That's, that's not right, amen. Luke chapter number eight, that's what I'm preaching a little bit about tonight out of Luke in chapter number eight. Luke in chapter number eight. And I tell you what, I appreciate the Lord just helping me in these days. I, I, I want to go to church and God touched my tear ducts. I feel like I've been to church when I have been able to cry. I know not everybody's emotional. I understand that. I know we got different personalities. Some people don't cry about hardly anything. Some people cry all the time about everything. But when I go to church, I tell you this, I want God to touch my tear ducts 
Now, I want to be sensitive enough for God to touch my tear ducts. I want to be pliable in the hands of God. Luke in chapter number 8, we're going to begin reading in verse number 41. Let's stand as we read the word of the Lord here in Luke in chapter number 8, verse number 41. I do want to say thank you for the good basket that y'all provided, that good fruit basket. My family and them got all the fruit. I got the Reese's and the M&M's and all that. Y'all didn't even know that was in the basket, did you? <laughs> but I appreciate the basket and, uh, and what this church means to my, me and my family and what the Jubilee meeting means to me and my family and what Brother Ricky means to me and my family. I, I tell you what, I know my kids love to hear Brother Ricky preach and, um, and he's been a blessing to our church and I appreciate you sharing your pastor uh, with us. Let me mind the good Holy Ghost right here. It's very dangerous when somebody achieves, quote unquote, in the business world. Because what happens is if you become successful in the business world, sometimes you'll bring that in to the house of God. And sometimes you'll feel like that your opinion is a little more weighty than somebody else. As a matter of fact, you might want to bring your opinion to the pastor. Because you think that, well, I'm successful, I've done this and I've done that and I know how to do this and that and the other. I need to share my wisdom with the pastor. There's nothing wrong with trying to help somebody, but you better mark her down. God is going to tell this man right here the direction of this church, the leadership of this church and what needs to happen in this church. Now, God might use you to be a help and a blessing, but not come in and straighten him out. So just because you're successful in the world does not mean you have any pull at the house of God. All right. Amen. Luke in chapter number 8 and verse number 41. Amen. I, I said it. I'm not taking it back. Amen. The Bible said in verse 41, said, And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue, and he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. And a woman, having an issue of blood twelve years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee. And sayest thou, Who touched me? And Jesus said, Somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came, came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace. Thank you. You can be seated. I appreciate you standing. And uh, this really, I, I guess I didn't mean to say that leading into the message, but I, I suppose it would be a pretty good segue about what I'm preaching about tonight because we do come to the house of God all the time and we act like everything's going good. We say amen at the right time because we're afraid that the preacher might think we're backslid or somebody might think we're not right with God or, or we may not be right with the Lord. So we'll come to the house of God and we like, act like everything's okay and act like there's no problems whatsoever. Well, here in the text, Jesus was going to the home of a man by the name of Jairus, which was a ruler of the synagogue, a man of renown, no doubt. But on the way, the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ was, was touched by this woman 
And the Bible said in verse 43, said, And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, could neither be healed of any. Verse 43 here said this woman had an issue of blood. And verse number 44 said she came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched. And I said that to say this. Luke said that this woman had an issue, and this issue that she had led to many other issues in the text that I want to deal with tonight. But what I'm preaching tonight on is issues. I'm preaching tonight about issues because if we'd be honest tonight, everybody here, regardless, if I started here and went all the way around the building, there are things going on in your life and in my life that nobody knows what is happening in your heart, in your mind, in your life, and you have an issue. I promise you behind the handshakes, behind the greetings, behind the cordial salutations tonight, everybody in here has some kind of of issue that is prevailing in their life. And you say, well, I don't have any issues. No, your issue's lying, amen. And you need to get that fixed, right? But I want to say this by way of introduction. I don't want to be misunderstood by saying that, you know, well, everybody's got to sin every five minutes either. You know, I, it seemed like, and y'all may sing that song here. I don't think you do, but if you do, I, I'll sing it with you. But that song, I'm not perfect, just forgiven, not yet arrived, but I'm on my way. I know what that song says, and I, I know what it's saying. We know we're not perfect. We know we haven't arrived. As a matter of fact, if you've been saved any amount of time, you realize uh, how much grace it took to save you and how much grace it takes to keep you and put up with you, amen? Uh, but, but I will say this, just because that you're saved... Uh, doesn't mean that you got to sin every five minutes to live a normal Christian life. Uh, the Bible said, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. God said, don't sin. And if you're saved, you don't want to sin. And when you do sin, it grieves you. You don't want to. You have to find a place to say, God, I'm sorry. But let me say this. Rest assured, everybody here is dealing, has dealt with, or will soon deal with an issue. Some of them major and some of them is minor. But what it might be a major issue to me. I'm, I'm, you may look at that and say, man alive, I can't believe he has an issue with that. And I may look at your issue and say, well, man, that's just a minor thing. But I'll say this, if it's an issue to you, it is an issue to God. And God knew what was going on in this woman's life. God knows what is happening in your heart, in your mind, in your life, when nobody knows what's happening and when you can even fool your spouse and act like everything's okay, God still knows what's going on in your life and he still wants to fix your issue. I don't care what your issue is, Jesus Christ can help you with that issue. Now I thought about this as I prepared this message, I think, well, uh, you know, if I say I've got an issue, if I say I've got issues, then everybody's going to say, well, man alive, here's this guy, he's trying to help us and he's got issues and he's got problems himself. But I, get, I did think about this, the apostle Paul, the man what wrote 14 books of the Bible, Paul said, I was with you in weakness and and in fear and in much trembling. And so Paul had issues in himself. As a matter of fact, I believe this, if you're not honest with yourself and say, God, I've got some issues, I don't know if you can really get the grace that God wants to give you. He'll get you grace to get you through it. But I'll tell you what he'll do. He'll give you exceeding abundant grace. He'll give you more grace. If you say, God, I can't handle this, you've got to take this issue and help me with it. As a matter of fact, Paul said, and he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. 
For my strength is made perfect in weakness. He said, therefore will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He said this. He said, therefore I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. He said, for when I'm weak, then am I strong. Not if I'm weak, but when I'm strong. And you know, sometimes we go through this and when you've been around somebody I mean, you just ask them, say, how's everything going, brother? And I mean, you see their life, and you know they've got problems. You know they got issues. Well, everything's great. Everything's wonderful, brother Randy. I mean, the cupboard's full, and the children are making all A's. And I just went to the doctor yesterday, and my blood pressure's 120 over 70, and somebody just gave me a brand-new Cadillac. Did you hear about them hitting oil in my property? Boy, God is good, ain't he? That's what they'll say. They'll say, God is good. i tell you something tonight. God is good, whether you got steak in the refrigerator or whether you got Kroger hot dogs in the refrigerator, amen. God's still good. Uh, listen, whether you got Laura Lynn in your cupboard or if you've got Campbell's, praise God, God is good and not because of what you got, but because of who he is, God is good, amen. That's exactly right. And we ought to just be honest and say, well, you know, at least uh, we've got one issue in our life. We come to church, we act like everything's okay, uh, but we need to face our issues because if you don't face your issue tonight, your issue will become who you are. You know, the Bible said this woman was not a woman with an issue of blood. She is the woman with an issue of blood. If you don't get a hold of your issue, if you don't bring your issue to Christ tonight, if you don't get your issue to the Lord Jesus Christ, your issue is going to get bigger who you are and it will become who you are. Listen, behind every face there's a story. Some compelling, some maybe complicated, some confusing maybe, but not as confusing or complicated as yours. But I promise you Jesus Christ wants to help you with your issues. Let's look at these issues tonight in the text. Obviously, first of all, she had a physical issue. And see, her physical issue affected everything else about her. I mean, can you imagine this woman getting up and no doubt she's frail and she's weak and she's facing this issue of a physical malady and your physical issue will affect you spiritually. Now, I know we say that and I've said that and I heard people say this and I thought, well, and I, I got to be honest with you, tonight, I, I, listen, when I played ball and I'm not, I'm not promoting all that, but I'm just saying, praise God, if you're going to, if you're going to do it, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly bear. Amen. I mean, listen, I was the type of guy, if, you bro if I broke my finger, tape it to the next one. I got four more. If I broke my ankle, tape it up. I'm getting back out there. If I broke my nose, pop it back in. I mean, listen, I'm wanting to play. I'm wanting to hit somebody. Hey, if it's the bottom of the ninth and there's two outs, I want the bat. I'm sorry. That's just the way I'm wired up. Uh, so listen, when people say, well, Brother Randy, you know, I've got physical problem. I can't come to church. I can't be faithful. I I'm like, I be, uh, this, I'm leading. I'm going somewhere. I I would think when they'd say that, say, pray for brother so-and-so. He's not able to be at church tonight. They'd say, what's wrong with him? They'd say, well, you know, he's got bursitis or arthritis or something like that. Well, I'd be thinking this, brother Ricky. I'd say, well, you big baby, why don't you just, amen, just suck it up and get on down the house of God. There's healing in the Lord's house, you know. I've heard we've all said that. And so in my mind, brother Blake, I'm thinking, well, amen, just suck it up. Be a man. Get on down the house of God. I used to say that. I used to say that. I was preaching a man. Well, I, this is before I went out there. I was having some pain in, in my back, and, and I didn't know what was going on. And 
and I went out to Missouri out there, Brother uh, Tony uh, Woods, and there's a nurse in the church, and I told him, I said, Brother Tony, I said, I'm having some awful pains in my back. I said, it feels like somebody is shooting me with a 22. Hey, it's, that's awful. I said, it's moving around. I said, I went to the doctor, that one of them walk-in clinics, and, and the doctor there diagnosed me with this, and, and I, I said, yeah, I'm not getting any better. And so he told the nurse in the, in the church, said, what's, what's going on? And so the nurse come and said, tell me again what's happening. And uh, they said, you don't have that. You got kidney stones. I said, kidney stones? I said, kidney stones feel like that? They said, yeah, kidney stones feel like that. They said, you wait till they go to moving. I mean, you wait till they really go to moving around in there. And I tell you what, buddy, listen. I, I thought, well, you know, and I, I people would get up in the church and say, pray for brother so-and-so. He's got kidney stones. Pray for sister so-and-so. She's got kidney stones. Well, I looked at a kidney stone. I'm like, well, that thing ain't big as a grain of sand. I thought, well, that would keep somebody out of church, something like that. I thought, man, you, you just don't have no tolerance for pain or you're just a big baby. Well, I made it on back from Missouri, and I'd always preach you get down to church. It don't matter how you feel. You just go on to church. God will help you. God will heal you. You know when my kidney stones hit me, and I mean when I began to pass them, it wasn't on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. It was on a Sunday. And I got up, and listen, I thought I was going to die and about wanted to. I said, there ain't no way I'm going to make it. And my wife said, you going to church this morning? Mm-mm, no. No, no, no. Y'all have it without me today. You say, what was your prayer life like that day? My prayer life was, oh, God. Oh. You say, did you read your Bible? I may not. I, I don't think I read my Bible. If I did, I'd went to that. What thou doest, do quickly. Amen. I, my prayer life was, oh, God, I don't think I read my Bible or nothing. I mean, you're talking about a miserable, miserable Sunday. Didn't go to church that night. Honey, praise God, about 125 on that Monday morning, I passed a size four and a size five at the same time. Amen. You say, how you know it was 125 in the morning? Honey, you pass it. If you ever have a kidney stone, you pass a four and a five. It's like the songwriter said, I can tell you about the time, and I can take you to the place. Amen. That's exactly right. I promise you now when somebody says, pray for brother so-and-so, he's got kidney stones, I'm like, oh, yeah, pray for him. Praise God, amen. And get the anointing oil out, call for the elders and everything else and have a foot washing if it can help, amen. That's exactly right. Amen, I'm talking about your physical affecting your spiritual. You know what that caused me to do? That caused me to have a whole lot more compassion on somebody who's going through physical problems. Now, I'm talking about kidney stones, and I, I'm battling one right now. It's not, I mean, it's not bad, bad, but I'm battling one right now. But I think about the fact of people, not just kidney stones. I'm talking about when the doctor says, we can't help you. And when the doctor says, there's nothing we can do for you anymore. And when the doctor says, well, we've done all that we can do. I'm telling you this, Jesus Christ knows about your physical issue. And I tell you, God may not heal you right now. He may heal you at the moment of time. Brother Kate was talking about that. I said, God, you're going to have to help me. And God touched him and God healed him. I tell you this, God may not heal you tonight, but I tell you this, if you're saved by the grace of God, there's going to be a healing day coming one day. And there's going don't be no more pain, no more x-rays, no more cancers, no more sad stories, no more disappointing phone calls from the hospital, amen. 
She had a physical issue. She had a private issue. See, her issue, most of the time, what we want, we want everybody to know our issue. We say, you know what? I, I've got an issue with that preacher. I, I've got an issue with that ministry. I've got an issue with that group. I've got an issue with that church. I've got an issue with that family. Many times, we'll broadcast our issues on social media. I've got an issue with that. There's some things at Bible Baptist Church that needs to stay in-house. There's some messages that will be preached at Bible Baptist Church. It don't need to be put on YouTube. It don't need to be put on somebody's Twitter. Under God, I wouldn't have Twitter because of the name of it. If you've got Twitter, I ain't mad at you, but Twitter. Amen. If they called it, if they called it Blackhawk or something like that, praise God, I might have it. But Twitter? Amen. That's right. That's tweet. Yeah. I heard some, and I mean, I got buddies that's got it, and they said, I'm, I'm going to read. They, they said, uh, they was talking about somebody retweeting it. Retweeting. I said, that sounds like something that old, what's his face does, that cartoon character. When he gets scared, he runs off and retweets. What's his name? I said, I ain't a retweeting from nothing, amen. I got an issue with that when you get out, and I mean, broadcasting everything. And, but I tell you this, her issue was embarrassing. See, her issue was uncomfortable. I mean, she wouldn't be getting up and when we're taking prayer requests or during a testimony service, she wouldn't stand up and say, y'all pray for me, I have this issue and begin to expound this issue in front of everybody. See, her issue was embarrassing. She didn't want anybody to know about her issue. I tell you, they, I guarantee these people here tonight that if you really told somebody about your issue, the reason you ain't told nobody about it because you're embarrassed by it. It is a private issue. You can't believe you have an issue about it. It is something that's bothering you. It is a private issue. I tell you, I don't know what your issue is tonight, but I know that the Lord Jesus Christ knows what your issue is. And whatever your issue is, whether nobody knows about it, God wants to do something in your life this evening. I'm convinced of that. Uh, this woman, I mean, listen, uh, she, I'm uncomfortable really about mentioning what your, her issue is, so I'm going to deal with it biblically. She had a physical issue. She had a private issue. She had an issue with her purity. Now, I want you to look back in Leviticus in chapter number 15 because there's only one way that we're going to be able to do that is to really get an idea of this woman's issue here, and we'll look at it from a biblical strand, standpoint. She had an issue with her purity. See, this woman's issue had rendered her unclean. And this woman's issue was just like the issue of a leper. The treatment was the same. The remedy was the same. She was treated just like a leper according to Levitical law. Now look back there, please, in Leviticus 15, back where your Bible stuck together at. Look at Leviticus 15 and verse 25. This tells you about what this woman's issue was. Verse 25, and I want you to listen to this word that is mentioned by the writer and how prevalent, and this word will jump out at you, and you'll get the idea of what I'm saying. said, and if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, I'm in Leviticus uh, 15, 25. 
said, if a woman have an issue of her blood many days out of the time of her separation, or if it run beyond the time of her separation, all the days of her issue of her uncleanness shall be as the days of her separation. She shall be unclean. Every bed whereon she lieth, all the days of her issue shall be unto her as the bed of her separation. Whatsoever she sitteth upon shall be unclean as the uncleanness of her, here it is, separation. Whosoever toucheth those things shall be unclean and shall wash his clothes, bathe himself in water, and be unclean until the even. But if she be cleansed of her issue, then she shall number to herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. I want you to look here in verse number 30. The Bible said, And the priest shall offer the one for sin offering, the other burnt offering. And the priest shall make an atonement for her before the Lord for the issue of her uncleanness. Thus shall ye separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, that they die not in their uncleanness. I mean, listen, the writer said, and he used the word many, many times when I first read, he used the word separation. And he talked about the fact that when you had this issue, this issue caused you to separate separate. This issue caused people to separate from you and caused you to have to separate from individuals. You know, I have seen people that will have issues and they will not deal with them and they will not get right with God about them or they just will not bring that burden. They will not bring that to the Lord. I have seen those same issues separate them from the house of God. Let me say this. Has your issue separated you from the fellowship that you once had with your pastor? Has your issue separated you from the confidence that you once had in your man of God? Has your issue separated you from people in this church that you were once close to, you were once in fellowship with, but now when the handshaking times come, you won't cross the aisle, you try to avoid them, you don't want to talk to them, you don't want anything to do with them. It's not the fact that you dislike them, you love them because you have to, because you're a Christian. But listen, has that issue come between you and somebody that you love? Because I tell you this, this woman's issue separated her from her family. As a matter of fact, when you had this issue, as I said, just like a leper, you had to live in what was called a separate house. I mean, you were cut off from society. I've seen people's issues cut them off from the things they love the most and the people they love the most because they will not deal with that issue. Has your issue separated you from God's presence? Listen, I know some people have an issue with drugs or with alcohol and some people have an issue with maybe, I, I don't know, whatever the issue is. Some people have issues that are bigger than what we would call a problem, a major issue. But i tell you this, if it is an issue to you, you better deal with that issue. Has your issue separated you from your Bible? Has it separated you from your prayer life? Has it separated you from sweet fellowship with the Lord? Have you allowed that issue? And sometimes it's not even that big a deal. I know people, they will not get saved because they say, well, I, if I do this, I know I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. I've, had, I've heard about women, they're saying, I'm not going to get, if I've got to give up wearing that, I'm not going to get saved. Can you believe somebody would allow some little old penny, any issue like that to separate them from God forever? I listen, you better deal with that issue or your issue is going to deal with you. She had a private issue. No doubt, she had a psychological issue. This is something that's not mentioned a lot in our pulpits today, but it is something that is true. You know, I've heard people say, now, Brother Randy, do you believe depression is a sin? 
Well, I do know this, whether it's a sin or not, and I wouldn't debate with you about that, but I'll say this, if you've got an issue with depression, your issue will turn into sin. Your issue very well could turn into sin in your life if you're battling depression. Because what you do is you get, you get real reclusive. And when you battle depression, you go into those kind of things, you don't want to be around nobody, you don't want to talk to nobody. And listen, what you'll do, you'll quit reading your Bible and you'll quit praying and you'll get so self-absorbed and you'll get so wrapped up in yourself and it becomes, it gets worse and worse and worse. I've heard people say, well now, Brother Randy, that don't happen to Christians. I, the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind. I believe that, I preach that, I practice that. But I will say this, there's been times in my life where I've been so down I could sit down on a piece of paper and hang my feet off. And you know why? It wasn't God, it was me. It was self-absorption. You know, it was, it was what about me and what's happening to me? You say, well, that only happens to the drunkard and the alcoholic. Well, I'm going to say this. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle for 38 years. He authored hundreds of books, probably the best uh, commentary ever written on the book of Psalms. He was a great, no doubt, a great preacher. He established a lot of orphanages there. He led, I mean, preached and thousands of people, made professions of faith and got saved by the grace of God. Uh, Spurgeon's friends sometimes people and his acquaintances would get on to him because they said he laughed too much and used too much humor in the pulpit. But you know this, Spurgeon said this. He said, I'm talking about a man that if you would think if there's anybody happy, if there's anybody satisfied, if there's anybody that's on top of the world, surely it's this man. He's got a great ministry. He's got a great church. He's got all these things going on. I tell you this, he battled depression. Here's what it said. He said, my spirits were sunken so low that I could weep by the hour like a child, and yet I knew not for what I wept for. He said, a friend, uh, was a kind friend was telling me of some poor old soul living near who was suffering very great pain, and yet she was full of joy and rejoicing. He said, I was so distressed by hearing that story and felt so ashamed of myself. Do you know what happened? A lot of times we try to be an encouragement to somebody and say, well, brother, you know, Romans 8, 28, all things are working together for good. I believe that. I know that. Buddy, but I'm going to tell you, sometimes it's not just going to be a quick fix, mash a button, and you're going to pull them out. I mean, listen, sometimes it is going to take time when you're dealing with somebody that's battling depression, when you're dealing with somebody that's doing it, and I'm glad God tells the truth, amen? I mean, that's why we know that man could not write the Bible if he would and would not write the Bible if he could because Ed left all the things, all the bad things out about David and about Elijah. Do you know David, the same man that said, I waited patiently on the Lord, he inclined unto me, heard my cry, lifted me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. Before that psalm is over, with he said but I am poor and needy the same man that's rejoicing on God bringing him out of the pit before it was over with he said I'm poor and needy I'm as destitute and I'm empty as a beggar Elijah I mean a man that called fire down from heaven God's prophet of the day he got to a place where he was so low in his life he despaired I mean he didn't even want to live anymore do not think that it cannot happen to you it could happen to you. But what we do is we avoid it. We say, I don't have a problem. And somebody will jump on you, make you feel bad. 
that and this and this trying to help Mr. Spurgeon. They said, well, here's this lady over here, and I mean, she's a whole lot worse off than you are, and she's got the joy bells ringing. She's on the mountaintop. Here you are trying to pass through the church, and you're down here having the mother grubs. And he said, I felt so ashamed of myself. I tell you what we need to realize. Everybody you come in contact with may be going through some things that you have no idea. And one word fitly spoken could pull them out. We're living in a day of volatility in the house of God. I mean, I'm talking about there are things that are going on and the pressure is on like never before. And the adversary is working on people's minds. Can you imagine this woman getting 12 years of her life every day? She got up with the same issue over and over and over and over and over. And it will wear and tear on your mind. She had an issue with people. Now, if you'll read Mark, I think it's Mark that says this. Mark said she had tried many physicians and didn't get any better, but rather grew worse. Now listen, I know we're from the south down here. A couple is two. A few is three or four maybe. The Bible said she had tried many physicians. What is that, five, six, seven? Can you imagine here's this woman getting up with this issue and she's facing it and it's wearing her out and it's wearing her down. It's tearing her down physically, emotionally. I mean, she is worn out. She's at her wit's end. She's at a frazzle. And she hears something, Brother Pendergrass, and they said, why don't you go down there and see Dr. So-and-so? He can help you. And so just a little bit of glimmer of hope rises up in her heart. And she says, well, I tell you what, I, I'm going to go down there to Dr. Dr. So-and-so because he can help me with this. And she goes in and she says, Doc, I know you can tell something's wrong with me. And I'm ashamed to tell you, but I'm one of these people like the, the book of Leviticus talks about. I mean, I, I, I've got this issue and I'm separated. I'm living out here in this separate house. And he says this, says, well, ma'am, I've had people like this before and they couldn't have the sacrifice and they didn't have the money to even buy turtle doves. Why don't you do this? And maybe this will fix your issue. And so she leaves with a little bit of hope. She goes home and she tries it, whatever it is. And she tries that thing that was given to her as the anecdote to her issue. And that means the Bible said many Five, six, seven times she walks in with a little hope. Time goes by and she said, it ain't working. It ain't working. It ain't working. Now, I tell you what a lot of people do. They'll say, well, I'm going to try this. Or I, I'm gonna, I, I, just, I, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start taking a half a Xanax of a night. Or I'm going to start taking, I'm going to get a half of Oxycontin and I'm going to start taking that of a night. Just something to take the edge off. Now listen, I, I went to the doctor. This was about another issue. And I went to the doctor and the first thing they said, and it wasn't a doctor, it was somebody that, that uh, wanted to be, I guess. But they said, well, listen, it's, there's no shame. There's no shame. They like, well, what's the matter with you? And I told them what was, what was going on. And I said, well, I travel a lot, you know, and sleeping in different places and stuff like that and sleeping in churches and boogers in there and all that kind of stuff. They said, well, you know, there's no shame. There's no shame with having this. There's no shame with, with needing something to take the edge off. And the first thing they wanted me to do is get on Xanax. I'm like, man, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting on that. I, I, don't need, I don't need something like that. I just need something to help me get through where I'm at, not something to just numb me and bring me up and bring me down, bring me up and bring me down. That's right. This woman tried this remedy. 
She had tried everything and had shared her heart. That means many times, five, six, seven times, she went in and said, Doc, here's a problem. Here's what's wrong with me. And he couldn't fix her issue. See, the people that she did think could help her, she did tell the issue. And many times, she would go in, tell the issue, and it wouldn't help. And now, when she's going places, she sees this doctor. She sees this individual. She sees this whatever you want to call it. But she might try anything. Amen. I mean, listen, she might have drunk seven bottles of essential oil trying to get rid of whatever it is she got. Amen. She may have tried everything, and then she sees these people that she shared her heart with. And she says, now they know my issue. See, she had an issue with people. I tell you this, you better believe this, friend. If you think you're going to go through this Christian life and somebody somewhere not hurt you, you're living in a dream world. Uh, you are going to be, there are people that you're going to think that are going to be with you all the way. There's going to be people you think going to stand with you all the way and they will hurt you. You will be hurt in this life. If you're a no new convert, I'm just giving you Christianity 101. There's going to be things. It's not always going to be roses. It's not always going to be honey. There are going to be people who will let you down and disappoint you. But I will say this. There are still good people that will help you. But there's only one that can take care of your issue. She got up that morning. She said, I tried everything. I've done everything. I've done all I can do. And there's nobody that can help me with this issue. And about that time, she overhears somebody saying, oh, Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. And she said, wait just a second. Who'd you say? They said, ma'am, this man by the name of Jesus is coming by. Have you heard of him? Yeah, I've heard of him, but I've never seen him. What's he done? And they said, well, ma'am, this man by the name of Jesus opened up Bill the blind man's eyes and Bartimaeus' first cousin. He opened up blinded eyes. Ma'am, they ain't never seen, never not one time have they ever seen the beautiful landscape. But this man named Jesus opened up their blinded eyes that had never been opened. She said, well, that's pretty good, but I don't have no problem with my eyesight. And they said, well, ma'am, this man by the name of Jesus opened up deaf ears and had never heard the birds sing, never heard the children play. But he opened up the ears and they were able to hear. She said, well, that's all right, but I don't have no problem with me hearing. Ma'am, do you know this man named Jesus walked on the water? Well, that's first. I ain't never heard nobody doing that. But a matter, as a matter of fact, I don't want to walk on the water. I'd just like to walk to the other side of the road without any pain. And then somebody said, one more thing, ma'am. This man by the name of Jesus has healed lepers. She said, you got my attention. You mean he's healed? Yes, ma'am. And instead of, the, instead of Jesus getting what the leper had, uh, the leper's got a little bit of what he had. And she said, you're telling me Jesus touched a leper? And instead of him getting leprosy, they got healed. said, ma'am, that's exactly what I'm telling you. She said, now that's the kind of problem that I have. I'm just like that old leper. I can't get any help. I'm living in a separate house and nobody's been able to help me. If Jesus Christ can fix a leper, uh, surely he can fix me. And I tell you what she did. Here's some deep theology, drum roll. You know what she did? She went to Jesus. Amen. 
She just come to Jesus with her issue. Nobody knew the issue. She was going through town. Here's Jay Iris. I believe everybody in town said, Well, Jay Iris now. Oh, dear Jesus. You got to get over Jay Iris' house. He's a big man, got big money. He's a man of influence. I believe Jesus went through town that day, and it wasn't for Mr. Jay Iris. I believe Jesus went into town because he knew there was one woman that had an issue that was bigger than she was. She had a problem bigger than she was. She had something that nobody could help. I tell you, that's when Jesus likes to operate. That when nothing can help. And nobody can pull you through. And you've dotted every I, crossed every T, done everything you know to do. If you'll bring it to the Lord Jesus Christ, honey, it didn't take 12 years for him to fix it. It didn't even take 12 seconds. And the Bible said, and immediately and immediately I tell you if you're sick of that issue bring it to Jesus tonight there's no telling God could do something immediately in your life immediately he didn't put her on probation you know she was ashamed of what she come to Jesus about didn't tell nobody didn't want nobody to know but I want you to look look at your Bible the Bible said in verse number 47 I'm talking about after she came to Jesus and she reached out. And she said, you know, that leper's an outcast just like me. And reached out and touched the hem of his garment. You know what the Bible says here? Verse 46. Jesus said, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue has gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. Listen, I seen this, and man, this is... It's helped me. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him. You know what? Listen, your issue, it's a shame to you. You don't want nobody to know it. You wouldn't dare get up and tell it tonight. But I tell you what happened. When Jesus fixed her issue, when Jesus fixed her problem, first thing she did, stood up and said, I, I got a word of testimony right here. I had an issue. I've had it for 12 years and went into a little bit of detail and said, let me tell you what he did right now, standing right here. I am made whole, not half, not 99%. She said, I came to him with my issue and she began to declare it against anybody that would hear it. Let me tell you what Jesus is done. Honey, I tell you what, 19 years ago I had an issue and nobody knew it. My mom and daddy didn't know it. The world didn't know it. My friends didn't know it. But I had a major issue in my life. I didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. I hid it from everybody. But I remember that good day I come out of my bedroom and I staggered out to that living room and got down on the love seat and I reached out to Jesus and I touched the H-E-M of the H-I-M and he did something for M-E on the inside immediately, instantaneously and eternally. I tell you if Jesus Christ can fix the issue of eternal life and change a sinner to a saint, change somebody ungodly and make them holy. If Jesus Christ can take somebody bound for hell and send them to heaven with a joy for a journey, I tell you he can fix your issue tonight. Whatever your issue is, Jesus Christ can fix it. You say, Brother Randy, I've got an issue about being saved. Oh, he can fix that issue. As a matter of fact, everybody in here that's saved had that issue at one time. If you'll read earlier in the chapter, there was some disciples that had an issue with a storm. I tell you this, he can calm the troubled waters of your soul. Leading right up before the text, there was a man who had some major issues. Mark chapter number 5 expounds on them a little bit more about the Gadarene. 
He had major issues in his life. And Jesus fixed every one of them. Then in the text, they said, well, you know, here, here he comes now. He's going to Jairus. He's an important man. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you what he did. Jesus fixed Jairus' problem from a distance. You read it. Jairus had an issue that he couldn't even get to the Lord. And Jesus fixed that issue. But he wasn't around. I mean, he wasn't in the vicinity to fix it. He just spoke the word. But he did something for this woman personally. Up front, right there in front of everybody. And the disciples said, Master, the multitude thronged thee. And sayest thou that somebody's touched me? Look at all these people around here and everybody's touching you. He said, yeah, but there's one that was so sick and so tired of that issue. They come to me by faith and I made them whole. Whatever your issue is tonight, Jesus can fix and will fix. Either right now or one of these good days, he will fix your issue. Let's everybody stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Preacher, you come.